Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The So Why Don't You Just Meet Me in the Middle edition as we take stock of the Bengals at the midway point of training camp. Coming up, Bengals.com editor Jeff Hobson joins me to discuss several topics, including what players have impressed us the most, where things stand on the offensive line, and what we are most interested to see in Friday's second preseason game. But before I get to Jeff, it's a fun facts conversation with a player who has a really interesting personal history, wide receiver, and former child actor, Trenton Irwin. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Refresh the game. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. It's the greatest thing since the dental hygienist. I went to my dentist this week. Shout out to Dr. Lenz, who is awesome. But it occurred to me that the dental hygienist is one of the great unsung heroes in the working world. They scrape and clean, getting rid of all the plaque and tartar while we sit in that chair squirming. Then the dentist comes swooping in to perform a final inspection before providing his diagnosis. The hygienist is like a starting pitcher who gives you eight strong innings, and then the dentist is the closer who shuts the door in the ninth. So, thank you to all of the hardworking dental hygienists out there. We appreciate your outstanding care and apologize for our bad breath. Now, let's get to football. One of the regular features on our Bengals Radio Network pregame show is my weekly Fun Facts interview where you get to know the person under the pads. This week's subject is a guy who is having an excellent training camp and has some very interesting stories to share. Time for some Fun Facts with wide receiver Trenton Irwin from Glendale, California, not far from Los Angeles, and we've got all sorts of stuff to cover with you. Let's start with acting. You are a child actor mostly in commercials for some well-known companies like Nissan, Subway, and Microsoft. How did you get started? You know, my, uh, my dad actually loved acting, so it was sort of a family, family business. I don't know what you call it, but we all went on auditions and uh, had a blast with it. It actually was a cool experience to sort of express myself out there, you know. I was a shy kid, so it was a, you know, I learned a lot from that. Does child acting pay well? It actually did. <laughs> it did. I make you know ten, fifteen thousand from a commercial. Wow. So it was unbelievable. You know, it was it was expected that it might be a little bit of a college payment, but my college ended up being free. So that's a blessing. Did you ever act with anybody in a commercial that went on to a significant acting career? I don't think I could say yes to that. I've been in quite a few commercials. But I don't know if anyone really had the glow up from the commercial to theatrical era. I don't think there was anyone there. Do you have a favorite actor? And if so, why? A favorite actor? Wow, that's tough. Um, I might have to go with someone like, like Denzel Washington or something. You know, just I feel like he never hit, misses in a movie. That's my answer, too. You yeah. can't go wrong with Denzel. No, nah, he never misses. <laughs> We're doing fun facts with wide receiver Trenton Irwin. Let's turn to football. California is a big state. Legendary high school football programs. At the end of your high school career... You had the most receptions of anybody in state history. If that were me, I'd be incredibly proud of that. Are you? Oh, totally. It was it was an honor. You know, I had I had the opportunity to play four years there, 
and uh, me and my teammates were great. But it was it was an honor, and it was just it was a fun experience. I mean, I remember high school like it was yesterday, so I, I can't complain there. Those are good old days, having fun, just backyard, you know, messing around pretty much. Did your high school team ever have a running play? <laughs> my senior year, we threw the ball a lot. We did, but, you know, we made the playoffs second round and got knocked out by a team that could run the ball a little better than we could. So a number of college football powerhouse programs recruited you. You chose to play at Stanford, one of the most prestigious academic universities in the country. Why did you choose Stanford? Man, um, it was really between ASU and Stanford for the longest time because my high school buddy, who I also played with since seventh grade, went to ASU. And he was a quarterback, so you know, that quarterback-receiver connection. But um, it came down to it, you know, it's hard to pass up on Stanford. And I'm, if I'm being honest, my mama really wanted me to go to Stanford, so mama rules. Mom gave you some good advice. Was that quarterback Brady White? That quarterback was Brady White, and that's still one of my best buds, so I'm very thankful there. So I also broadcast University of Cincinnati games, so I saw plenty of Brady White at Memphis, and he went on to have a tremendous college career. Oh, yeah, no, he did fantastic, as I knew it was going to happen, because it's just the type of person and player that he is. All right, back to Stanford. What was the toughest course you took? The toughest course? <laughs> I took this one course on, like, air pollution and water pollution based off of how far the distance was. And the, it, it, was, it was brutal. I, I took it the first time. I think my first two tests, I got, like, 25 and 30%, and I, was, I dropped out. And then the curve was super friendly. So a lot of my guys passed. I mean, they passed with B's and C's. And I was like, dang, all right, I got to take this again. So I took it twice. It, it was very brutal, but it was, it was humbling. And it was, uh, it was an experience. I'll just say that. And a great lesson on grading on the curve. Yes, the curve can be friendly. <laughs> Holy smokes. We're talking to Bengals wide receiver Trenton Irwin. Your freshman year at Stanford, you guys went to the Rose Bowl. You wiped out Iowa 45-16. to 16. You had a catch in the game. What do you remember most vividly about getting to play in a Rose Bowl? Man, I mean, my, my whole family been Michigan fans, so they always watched the Rose Bowl a lot there with that being, you know. But um, I think just going out there, watching the Jet go over the top of the stadium was unbelievable. And then it was, it was just surreal, you know. It, it came... It was like a fairy tale because it just kept piling on. We just kept really smacking them. But it was a fun game, and it was, I mean, pretty cool to get that my first year. You had a catch in your final 40 games at Stanford, and then in the final regular season game of your senior year, you tore your ACL, or your MCL, rather. How disappointing or difficult was the timing of that? It's super tough. You know, it's super tough, and there's only so much you can handle. I mean, after an incident, what's done is done, and you got to bounce back from there. And um, I honestly think there was so much that I learned from that experience. You know, I don't ever wish that upon me or anyone, but I think that it's a learning opportunity. And if you take it as that, you can grow a lot. We're talking to wide receiver Trent Irwin, number 16 for the Bengals. This is your third year with Cincinnati, mostly on the practice squad so far, but you did have your first career regular season catch last year in the Houston game. Did that give you a feeling of no matter what happens from here on out, you made the NFL record book? It was pretty awesome. That's always what we talk about. But, I mean, it's, I think it's a cool experience to try to get it out the mud. You know, you're out there with your boys, and you're trying to grind and try to get more opportunities and make more plays with those. And, it's, um, you know, it's a fight every day. And it's an honor to have a, a sport and a job that you really go out there and compete every single day on the field. And it's, you know, sometimes things go bad, sometimes things go great. But that's the, that's the fact of competing every single day. So I, I'm thrilled to have the job and um, have the opportunities when they come about and just having fun with it day by day. A few more questions for Trenton Irwin. We're accustomed to seeing players swap jerseys after games, but your jersey collection 
goes well beyond that, correct? Oh, totally. I have, I think I had like 110 jerseys and I wore them every day in middle school and high school. And I've fallen off a little bit just because I feel weird wearing jerseys with people I play with. <laughs> All right. What are some of the favorites in your collection? Oh, man. Um, I've got a Tom Brady at Michigan that was always one of my favorites. My dad loved Michigan there. Um, I've got, I mean, I've got some, I've got Randy Moss from like every team he was on. So I have a, I have a yellow. I don't even know if that's real, but I have a yellow Minnesota. I got a purple Minnesota. I got a new England. I have a Raiders, Randy Moss. I mean, like I have so many unique jerseys that it's, you know, I I wish I could still wear them, but I feel a little (laughs) awkward with people who might actually be those people when I was young. And now Randy Moss's son, Thaddeus, is your teammate. Does he know that you have this awesome collection of jerseys of his dad? I, we have not had that conversation yet. We might need to you know, scratch that one up and check it out, but he does not know yet. All right. You've got long, flowing, blonde hair. Are you aware of the fact that the ladies in the COVID testing trailer call you Tarzan? Yes, they call me Tarzan every day, man. They're the best. They bring that energy, you know, so I, it's always cool to – you know, have that energy from people. And, um, you know, I just got to rep the name, I guess. (laughs) You're having an excellent camp. It seems to me every day at training camp, I I write down a note. There he is again, number 16, making more catches. Do you feel like things have gone particularly well for you this training camp so far? I think they've gone great. You know, I've worked all off season to try to get opportunities. And when opportunities come, I try to make plays. And all I can do is have the best response after a play that's good or bad because sometimes a play that's good will get you too high or a play that's bad will get you too low. So trying to have the right response after whatever the outcome is of the previous play that is most conducive for me having success in this play. This has been fun. I appreciate your time. Best of luck in 2021. Hey, I appreciate you. Always great. That's Fun Facts with Trent Irwin. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Bud Light Seltzer. It's light and refreshing with a hint of fruit flavor. The Bengals are basically midway through training camp. They've been practicing for about three weeks, and the regular season opener against the Vikings is roughly three weeks away. It's a good time to take stock of how the team looks at this point with Bengals.com editor Jeff Butch Hobson. All right, Butch, I've come up with a series of topics for both of us to weigh in on heading into the Washington game on Friday night. Topic number one, the biggest story of training camp is... What's your answer? I'm actually more interested to hear you than me. But I will say, obviously, it's, you know, Burrow, it's obviously is is on another planet when you're talking about him. So we'll do something else. My opinion, how the defense, the defense has just uh, surfaced the way they had drew it up on 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 the board. When they drew this thing up in free agency and the draft, uh, what they wanted these guys to do, I mean, day after day in practice and in the preseason game in, in Tampa, these guys have just, you know, the three, the three new cornerbacks, the, the Trey Hendrickson, the edge man, uh, Logan Wilson has stepped in at middle linebacker. To me, that's been the, the story is the defense. And I know early on Burrow struggled and maybe we were, you know, maybe the defense sucked us in like the Red Sox did, but I think that they, that was a part of a big reason of Burrow's struggles were, he was playing a defense that was a hell of a lot better than the one he had the year before. So to me, for my money, it's how this uh, defense has uh, come to uh, show up. No coincidence that you worked sucked and Red Sox into the same sentence mm-hmm. there. <laughs> uh, I, I agree with you about the defense. I would say the secondary in particular, 
Uh, Trey Waynes, Chidabe, Awuja, and Mike Hilton have been great, but it doesn't end there. Eli Apple was good before he tweaked his hamstring. Darius Phillips always seems to make plays. Jalen Davis has been a nice or is having a nice camp. I was going to say has been a nice addition, but he was with the team for six games last year, but being used exclusively in the slot seems to be a bringing out the best in him. But since I need to have an answer that is different from yours, mm-hmm. I will say that the biggest story of training camp is that Joe Burrow is mortal. He set yeah. the bar so ridiculously high that as he came back from a major injury, I stupidly thought that he would look exactly the way he did the play before the injury in Washington, just everything would be fine. No big deal. He's Joe Burrow. Well, as it turns out, he's human. And it did take him some time, about a week. (laughs) That was it. And then he was Joe Burrow again. So I never really doubted that he was going to be Joe Burrow again. There was a little stretch where I thought it might take some time. It might be four games into the season. Maybe it'd be six games into the season. Now, I don't fear that at all. I think he's going to be great from the opener against the Vikings. And, you know, he's human, but he's not very much of a human. What I liked is he, is he told us that, you know, uh, he was very open. I, I, I joked with him later. I thought uh, the key was your, uh, was, your, was your news conference where you let it all hang out and you talked it into uh, – and you talked it into reality. I, I thought it was uh, really, that was, to me, that that was, and you're right, Horty, I think that is the, uh, that that is a good storyline. To me, the most, uh, the thing I remember, I'll take away from this camp is not any practice or any play or anything like that, but that, those, those 15 minutes he stood up there and basically, uh, you know, you could tell he was a guy searching and he didn't hide it. Right. And think about the confidence that that takes for a quarterback mm-hmm. to acknowledge, yeah, yeah. I'm uncomfortable right now. Right. I don't like seeing bodies around my injured left knee. And then it was almost like that very day, flip the switch, just like you said, getting it off his chest seemed to be a freeing moment. And since then he has looked for lack of a better word, normal. See the media, it can help you. (laughs) Let's take credit. (laughs) All right. We'll move on to topic number two. Give me a player who's really impressed you and why. You know, I would say uh, just the rookie tackle, Dante Smith, just because uh, you've seen a lot of rookies come through who were much higher pedigree, uh, who were drafted higher, and they haven't played like this. You know, he's come on and he's just been, uh, he's been great. You know, the only down thing is he had dehydrated, you know, he got dehydrated. Now that was after he got, he got, he got, he got stood up pretty well from Larry, uh, from Larry O. Go ahead, Horty, you can pronounse it for me. Ogan Joby. Ogan you know, who's having a nice, nice little run here. And uh, he is. was kind of tortured Dante. And uh, he had a rough day. And then he sat out Wednesday because he was dehydrated. And he may not play Thursday. So, but that's really the only down. That's really the only blip he's had. And I think the fact that, you know, this is uh, – all through, all through the draft, you know, after they drafted him in the spring, you know, it was this guy, you know, we, we, we like this guy because of his size. He's smart. You know, he's got the NFL dimensions. He's got the lap has talked about his arms. He's got those 35 inch arms. And, you know, it was just, you just assumed he was going to be a project. Well, he's not a project. I, to me, it looks like he's pretty close to being the opening day, uh, 
left guard, which is really uh, that's that's something. So, and he's a nice, and he's a he's a very earnest guy. I talked to his uh, high school coach, spent some time talking to him, and uh, you know he's the first. Well, this is what amazed me: his county in Georgia is right outside Augusta, Georgia, and he is the first player in that county's history to be drafted by the NFL. And you would just assume that you know uh, a football-rich territory like that because they do border. You know, such towns as uh, where James Brooks was from, and, uh, actually where Trey, where Trey Hill is from, the, the, the sixth round pick, the center from Georgia. But no, nobody's, he's like the first guy from his county who's been, been drafted. And so uh, an interesting guy, a humble guy, and uh, obviously uh, Frank Pollock, uh, Frank Pollock loves him. He has been impressive, no question about it. I saw a little bit of his potential when he was at East Carolina competing against UC a couple of years ago. He was mostly out last year, but a couple of years ago, I remember in my notes, people saying that, you know, he was a legit NFL prospect and he certainly looks like one so far. My guy would be Chidabe Awuje. I mean, he has been flypaper during training camp, sticking to whoever he has been defending at practice. He basically is, he's been what we like about Will Jackson the third at half the price. I mean, just tremendous coverage skills. I know it's just three weeks of practice, but hopefully it carries over to the games. He was a second round draft pick by the Cowboys. If you go back and look at his PFF grades, they were great in two of his four NFL seasons. They were poor last year when he was playing hurt. But uh, I think at $7 million a year for the next three years, that could turn out to be a tremendous steal. And then we heard Zach Taylor say, he's one of the most impressive human beings that we've ever had in the building. So uh, really encouraged by Chidabe Awuje so far. Yeah, that's, that's a good one, Dan. I know talking to Steve Radicevic, uh, the Bengals director of pro scouting, he had scouted Awuje coming out of Colorado. And uh, he had uh, obviously uh, you know looked at him at free agency. And he said both times, he surprised him about how, you know, he knew he was a good player, both, both places when he was coming out of Colorado and from Dallas. And he, both times he surprised them at how, at how good he was, but he was a guy that they, and you hit it right on the head about the money. He was a guy they zeroed in on immediately because they, because they felt like exactly what you said, they could get a pretty good price for him. And that's exactly what Steve pointed out was his PFF grades were very comparable to some big to to, to corners who 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 were going to haul down a, a fifteen million a year, which was uh, one of them was Will Will Jackson, and the PFF grades were were almost the same. And it's amazing how guys get categorized and everything. But uh, uh, he is a uh, he's an interesting guy as well. I, and that's another thing too that I guess I failed to mention. All these guys bring. Uh, they're 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 confident. They're well spoken. They're lead, you know they're leaders from Wuze to 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 Mike Hilton to Hendrickson. These are guys who are just impressive guys. Wuze was telling me about how he he and Amari Cooper started playing chess when they were in Dallas. And Wuze liked the fact that you know all these guys were into Madden and all this other stuff. You know Call of Duty and the and the was it was it Fortnite uh, Fortnite Fortnite yeah. yeah. I remember, because I remember Bogats, whenever Bogats would hit a double, he used to do the celebration. I think that's how I know about Fortnite. I don't, certainly don't play it. But, uh, and he, uh, and Wuze was saying it was kind of, you know, he and Cooper were, were playing chess. I think he liked that because that, that, that knocked down some stereotypes, you know, and uh, yeah. so he's, so he's, a, he's an interesting guy to talk to. Uh, 
smart guy and good to talk to good for the show. I mean, I wish my God, I wish there was an open locker room because these guys are, uh, these guys are terrific to talk to. Yeah, totally agree. I wonder if he's seen the queen's gambit. That was very good. <laughs> I think he, I think he has. I think, highly recommend. I think, I think, I think, I think Burrow is leading kind of a, it's kind of kind of funny because Awuze came with this background and now, and now Burrow's been playing chess with Thaddeus Moss. And so I think that's a little thing in the locker room right now, which is kind of, which is, you know, I, I don't think, you know, breaking into the business 40 years ago, Hordy, I don't think we thought uh, it'd be a chessboard in an NFL <laughs> locker room, but I think it's great. Ping pong table out, chessboard in. All right, let's move on to our next topic, similar topic, but let's choose from somebody that's, more on the roster bubble who has impressed you you already said him i hope i didn't take this from you but davis jalen davis is i mean really and he was having a good camp even before he went down to camp and like touched every ball that came that came out of the pocket um and really when he talked about this is kind of why i wrote about i kind of tried to compare him and jamar chase on their debuts they were just trying to get chase a touch Number one, fifth pick in a draft, national champion. Hey, let's just get him a touch in space. You know, Davis needs a touch. He doesn't want one. He needs one, and he get two. And here's a, you know, and he said it in, in, in his news conference. He said, "Look, I'm just trying to get on the same team, you know, two years in a row. That's all. You know, that's what his goal is. You know, Chase's goal is to be the rookie of the year. This guy is just trying to survive, make a life for himself. You know, and he." And he, uh, you know, he's been on, uh, I believe he signed with the, you know, he's bounced around. He's, I think he signed with the Dolphins. Correct. Uh, then he, then he moved on. I can't remember where he moved on to now, but uh, then ended up with in Cincinnati for the last, you know, last year. And then because of the COVID protocols, uh, he was never around until he actually had to check into the Steelers game because they had all those COVID protocol problems with their DBs plus injuries. And Lou Anarumo said, Davis had to introduce himself in the huddle, basically played, played like a career high 70% of the snaps. So, you know, you got to root for a guy like that who stands up there and says, look, I'm just trying to get to, you know, I, I, you know, I just want to play for the same team two years in a row. I mean, that's a, that's a great story. My guy is Trenton Irwin. <laughs> Every day at training camp, he does something that catches your eye. And he's this year's Auden Tate without as many spectacular catches that, you know, everybody immediately tweets about another unbelievable play by Auden Tate, like he's had in previous training camps. They're not necessarily spectacular by Trenton Irwin, but I'm thinking if you added up total receptions in training yeah. camp, I suspect he would be the leader. He's certainly close. Yeah. By the way, Gordy, you then it carried over to the game with three catches for 35 yards and a tackle in kickoff coverage. You'll right. probably get a chance to return a punt before camp is over. So it's been very fun to watch. Took a, took a hellacious shot and held on. Um, by the way, Horty, you lead me, I think, in uh, career tweets by about 1,200. <laughs> uh, uh, I think uh, you've got a great, uh, and I didn't realize this, but you're obviously a great home homework revealed i guess he was a child actor i guess which i'm anxious to hear about that and uh i'll be looking for that i guess that's uh that's coming up right as a matter of fact you're not aware of this because of the way we're recording this podcast but uh people listening will have already heard trenton Irwin discuss that uh in my fun facts interview with him he was a child actor in commercials 
for big time companies, Subway, Microsoft, yeah. uh, Velveeta Cheese. And he comes yeah. from a family of commercial actors. His dad acted in commercials, enjoyed it. It wasn't his, wasn't what he did for a living, yeah. but he enjoyed it. So he got the whole family into it. Trenton said it paid well. He was making like 10 to 15,000 bucks doing these commercials as a kid. He thought it was going to be his college fund. And then he went for, to Stanford for free as a college athlete. How about that? That's a uh, Dan Hoare. There you go. I figured I'd plug that. That's a good, uh, that's an excellent uh, review of that. Now I don't have to listen to it, but I will. <laughs> Very good. All right, let's move on to another topic. Early in camp, were you worried about Joe Burrow? And how do you feel now? Yeah, honestly, I was, uh, you know, you wonder, uh, I guess I wasn't worried until like that last bad practice. Until then, I had been, you know, I'd been buying the, buying it. Yeah, it was early and it was, you know, geez, you just, what, it wasn't even barely eight months removed from surgery. And I was trying to think back about how Carson looked and I'm not, and I'm not sure that Carson was even doing stuff like that then at that point. I don't know, for some reason, I just remember Carson all of a sudden appearing in the third preseason game and looking like, a combination of Brady and A-Rod, you know, so <laughs> I can't, I couldn't, I guess that maybe that's because of my, my age, I'm failing my memory, but yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was, I was, uh, it wasn't until that last practice though, when I, they were, when it was really bad, I think. And uh, I think it was bad enough where Joe real, I, maybe, maybe that was the practice where, you know, he said, I, I got to get my, you know, I got to do so. Cause if you remember, I think it was that next day that he did the news conference. I think it was after that bad, or it was pretty, it was that same like 48 hours or something. And that, and from what, apparently what he said was, it was his idea. He went to the coaches and said, Hey, I need more traffic in the, I need more traffic in the pocket. So yeah, I, I was, I was okay until that last day, you know, and then I, uh, 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 but then when, you know, and then I, but I felt better. I, even before he practiced, I felt better after he talked. Because I said, okay, he's, you know, he's, you know, I thought after I heard him talk, I said, well, he's going to be okay. He knows what's going on. He, you know, he knows what's going on. You know, he's one of those guys, if you listen to him, you're ready to, you know, you probably go follow him wherever he went. He's one of those guys, you know, yeah. even if you're in the, I mean, even if you're in the, you know, I mean, even if you're in the media, you get that sense. So, uh, yeah, I was a little, it was that, that last day got me a little concerned. I already shared my feelings on that topic. Yes, I was a little worried. Now I'm not worried whatsoever. So I'm very excited to see him in year two of his NFL career. Would you play him in the final preseason game next week against the Miami Dolphins? Absolutely not. It's just too many. We've seen it. We've seen too many weird things happen. Or you've been doing this thing. You've been doing these games. You've been doing the NFL since 11 uh, every day. You know, I, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, I've seen some stuff that you wouldn't think you'd believe. Just, just get him to the gate. Just get him to the gate. You know, I mean, I thought, you know, like I was telling you before he we went on, uh, uh, the Bengals played Tom Brady in the year after his, he, he tore his ACL in the 08 opener. He came back in 09. And in his first game, he was 10 of 15. And then the next night they played, the next week they played the Bengals in Foxborough, the famous game where he started, went four of eight but it was won actually by a Chad Ochocinco extra point. So you can tell your grandkids that, that anybody listening who saw that game can say that they saw a game started by Tom Brady, won by a Chad Ochocinco extra point, but he, but he, he played in that one. So, but that was, you know, for some, I don't know. And Carson played once famously played once he played 
into the third quarter one time against Green Bay, but I just can't. I just, I just, it's a different league. It's a different time. Joe's a different guy. It was, you know, it was no, uh, uh, I, I just think he did well without a preseason. He should have won the opener as a rookie without ever playing in the NFL. If the, re if the referee keeps the flag in his pocket, it's one of the great Burrow signature moments that dwarfs might have anything that would have dwarfs anything he did besides maybe winning the national championship. So I'm fine. Get him to the gate. Uh, September 12th, Zimmer and Pauly Gunther are going to be affordable enough. Don't, don't throw in fortune and fate, too. I have been joking for weeks or months that I would not allow him to attend any of the preseason games, much less play in them, you know, lock, lock him in his house and uh, forbid him from coming to the stadium. But my resolve is weakening. Like you were saying earlier, he has a way of, of rallying you to his viewpoint. And clearly he wants to get out on the field again. So if they do it, I, I don't necessarily think it's a mistake. Uh, I will be nervous. I hope they are, you know, a handful of the safest play calls in the history of football handoffs, screen passes, something where it's virtually impossible to get hit. Like you're saying, strange things can happen. Feet can get tangled, stuff like that. But uh, if he plays, I hope that the play calls are the safest ones that Zach Taylor has in his playbook. Boomer almost uh, sold me. You were in, you were in here uh, when you and uh, Lap and uh, I had talked to Boomer. He was selling it pretty good about playing. And, uh, you know, that 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 kind of convinced me almost maybe he should but you know if we're just talking about a couple of handoffs in a screen you know why bother so but I, I i understand where you guys are coming from too and i'm sure you know if he comes out and he is has a, a bad first half against minnesota because he didn't play you know you could say well he's not he's not very sharp so i can see both i think this is one of those 40 where we both get an a in, in philosophy at the, if we were taking a philosophy course at the Hall of Languages uh, <laughs> in Syracuse. How would you describe the state of the offensive line at this point? I think it's uh, obviously it's evolving, as they say. And whenever you say evolving in sports, yeah, we get a little nervous. But I, I also think it's uh, clearly in a new direction with Pollock. I mean, it, it, these guys have seemed to have bought into Frank Pollock, the offensive line coach who was here in twenty. 18, uh, got a great relationship with Joe Mixon already. And I think he can sense that. So while it is an evolving line, I also think it's one that has a direction. I think it's trending up. I think, I also think, you know, really, I don't think there are as many issues as people think there are. Yes, I, I think they're okay at center. I think the tackles have played very well. I think Jonah Williams has had quietly had a, had a good camp. I think, you know, if it, if it hadn't been for Burrow and for Jamar Chase, we probably would have talked a little bit about Jonah Williams. I think he's looked all right. So I think they're going to be pretty good at the tackles. And now they got just they have to figure out guard. And that is not a obviously that's not a minor thing. And I think they wish that they were farther along with that, with particularly with their young guys. But I do think uh, everybody feels like I think everybody who's been watching this thing has to feel like they're in a better situation now than they have been just because of. Uh, the way they have bought into Pollock. Frank Pollock should be at practice in a yellow hard hat and an orange vest. 
with a big sign that says under construction over in that little corner where the offensive linemen do their drills. Cause that's what it is right now. It's under construction, but I do think they have enough good players for Frank to be able to put a good enough line on the field. We're not trying to pretend that, you know, this is uh, the 81 or 88 Bengals offensive line. It's not going to be that good, but I think the personnel is good enough to be solid. I agree with you that, they're set at center and both tackles and where center is concerned. I think they're too deep. I think Billy price has quietly had a pretty good camp. I think the tackles are going to be fine. I personally like Quentin Spain. I don't know if he's going to wind up in the starting lineup, but I think that he's a, a solid guard for what Frank Pollock wants to do. And out of the other guys, Michael Jordan, Xavier Suofilo, Jackson Carmen, Deontay Smith. I think you're going to, to find a guard that'll do a decent enough job. So I'm cautiously optimistic that they're going to be okay. And yeah, frankly, I, trust. I, exactly. Uh, Frank's another guy. You listen to him talk and you say, wow, that, guy, that guy's, an guy's an impressive guy. Um, I, I, you know, I think the fact that they love the fact that he played in the league, you know, and he had a, he had a eight year backup with the 49ers saw some things and, you know, hung around long enough to play 90 games. And, uh, you know, and, and it was, we've talked about, there are also other weapons at their disposal that go beyond the offensive line. They can protect the offensive line. They have a man named Joe Mixon uh, running the ball who looks like who he looks very, he, he looks very good after missing the last 10 games mm -hmm. with a foot injury. Uh, they have a, a, we've talked about the defense. Now the defense is so much better that's going to help Joe Burrow. It's not going to, you know, he, 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 if he's not behind by 10 points all the time, you know, he won't be dropping back as much. So, I mean, all these things go together. It's just not, it's just not those guys up front. I mean, it is, a lot of it is, but I think they've done, <laughs> they've done some major things to get it accomplished. They brought in a new guy to give him new direction. Uh, they signed a veteran tackle. They drafted a guard high in Jackson Carmen. They get, they made their defense better. And uh, they made the, the offensive line coach, the run game coordinator. Uh, so to me, they've done a lot. They've done a lot of the things they had to, to improve things. All right. Final topic. One or two things that you're interested in seeing on Friday in Washington. I'm interested to see how they bounce back. You know, can they handle, because I think, I think we can all say it was, Saturday night in Tampa was successful. You know, the defense was terrific. Uh, 20, you know, and I know it's a preseason game and everybody, uh, and it's hard to get excited. It's hard to get excited about a preseason game. You know, you, you watch a, a backup tight end, catch an 18 yard seam ball on backup defensive backs. And suddenly, you know, Oh my God, we can't, well, none of those people are going to be playing when, in crunch time. So let's take it easy. So but yes, it's going to be interesting to see how this team handles success. How do they come back? It's a, it's, it was a short week. They went back on the road. Uh, be interested to see, and they're going to play a little bit more. The starters, I don't think they're going to play much more than they did in Tampa, but I think they're going to play more. They won't play more than a quarter. Uh, but I, I and it, what, what will be there? So I'm interested to see if they can put together the same kind of intensity and the same kind of, uh, and the same kind of efficiency that they had in Tampa. And then, and then beyond that, I'd, I'd like to see, you know, the offense, you know, not, not turn it over, obviously. And, um, you know, I want to see Jalen Davis get some hands on some, see if he can keep it up, see if Darius Hodge can keep it up. Just see if, uh, really, that's, that's you know, uh, can, they, can they keep it going? Can they, can they handle success, get on the plane, and do it again? All right, I got a couple of things. Uh, number one, the Bengals are returning to the scene of the crime. 
uh, where Joe Burrow got hurt. So for as long as Washington's front four is in the game, can they handle that front four? So we're talking about four first round draft picks. The, The Washington football team drafted defensive linemen in the first round in 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. You talk about building a great front four. Obviously, that's a good way of going about doing it. So we're talking Jonathan Allen, who made the hit on Joe Burrow, Deron Payne, both of those guys are Alabama guys, Montez Sweat, and then culminating with the second pick in last year's draft, Chase Young. Washington made the playoffs last year, despite going through a bunch of quarterbacks because they had an excellent defense and played in a lousy division. It only took seven wins to get in, but fourth in points allowed, second in passing yards allowed, sixth in sacks. While those guys are in the game, can the Bengals handle it? So that's one big thing I'll be looking uh, looking to see on Friday. And then secondly, is the Bengals' pass rush legit? Four sacks, 13 quarterback hits in the Tampa Bay game. I know, you know, a few of those came after uh, the starters for both teams were out. But after having 17 sacks as a team last year and being last in the NFL, just think of how much better this team will be if this pass rush, which looked really good in Tampa Bay, is legit. Yeah, no, all great points. I mean, uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how Michael Jordan responds down there. Uh, he was obviously the uh, – that's that's the guy that Allen was working against. And I know uh, Paul Danner Jr. wrote a good story uh, back in the spring uh, from The Athletic about how – Jordan has, you know, attacked that and uh, he reshaped his body. He seems to be in a good, good, uh, good, good spirits mentally. Uh, he's had a lot of support from Burrow himself. So, and I got a lot of, I got a lot of hopes for, uh, for Mike. And I know he's, uh, I'm not, I don't know how the lineup is going to unfold in, uh, in Washington, but I think Frank, I think Frank has high hopes for him. And I think that's an interesting one to watch. It'll be interesting to see how Mike responds being back there, man, something about the date, November 22nd. Ooh, it's uh, that is, uh, but I think also too, it's also, you know, it just shows you Burrow's resilience and just what they've got here in a franchise guy. He's back and he's not playing. He's not playing Friday night, but he could. And that's, uh, you know, what a, what a, uh, what a statement about him. A perfect way to end it. Butch, I appreciate your time. This was fun. Let's do it again sometime soon. Horty, as always, as an ice, and as I always say, have a good call. After beating Tampa Bay 1914, the Bengals face another playoff team from last year, Washington, on Friday night at 8. When the Bengals faced Washington in the regular season last year, the football team was 2-7 and seven at the time. Washington finished 7-9, and nine, which was good enough to win the NFC East. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer. Refresh the game. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.